Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Galatians. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome to episode 5. We'll be looking at Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Uh, I'll read the verses, so if you're flipping or you're tapping, it's Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, and here they come. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Um, Depending on your Bible, the quotation from Paul to Peter continues, but the ESV stops it at the end of 14, and there's a reason to believe that it ends at the end of 14. Uh, For purposes of this podcast, we'll pretend that what Paul says to Peter, the rebuke, ends at the end of verse 14. I'll talk more about that as we go. The essential conflict here is hypocrisy. Paul calls Peter out for being two-faced. Peter ate with Gentiles because he knew it was fine to eat with Gentiles. But when certain people came along who might question his freedom, he stopped eating with Gentiles. He didn't live out his freedom when certain Jews came by. Now, side note, la, we have all done this from time to time. We have all had those moments where we're free of the thing, but then so-and-so comes around and we're back at the thing. Like, we were set free of the thing, but then, you know, that person, and then all of a sudden, the thing is a thing again. We have all done this. But when you have apostolic authority and calling in your life, Somebody else with apostolic calling gets to call that out, and that's what Paul does. Uh, We'll remember also that Peter had a hard time maintaining his convictions when the pressure came. Uh, We could recount all the stories. This is the guy that denied Jesus three times. This is the guy that after Jesus died said, you know what, I'm going back to fishing. I'm just going back. I can't. I can't do this thing anymore. It's back to fishing for me. This is the guy that had the vision right before he went to Cornelius' house and 
God had to give him a vision so that he could be set free of some of the dietary restrictions that Judaism brings with it. Peter's had a rough go, and so have some of you, and that's fine. That is fine. Nothing here, even in the rebuke, is Paul questioning Peter's calling or questioning Peter's giftings or anything like that. Paul is just calling Peter out and reminding him, wait a second, you know better than this. Leon Morris comments on this passage and he says, quote, It is perhaps curious that nobody seems to have recalled that Jesus ate with publicans and sinners, which can scarcely mean that he conformed to strict Jewish practice. End quote. One of the results of Peter's hypocrisy was that other Jews also acted hypocritically. Even Barnabas started taking some cues from Peter. Can we please remember that people follow our example and we need to be careful about how we live? It is not just about us. There are people who look up to us, who take their cues from us, and so we need to live in recognition of that. It's not that we live in fear of people. We don't always do all things worried about how it'll look to somebody else. That's not the goal. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when I live knowing that I'm a leader, knowing that other people will look at me and say, hey, this is somebody I might want to emulate, that causes me to act a little bit differently. Now, sometimes that causes me to act a little bit differently for good, and sometimes it causes me to act a little bit differently for bad. Now, in this particular case, Peter might have genuinely thought, I mean, we don't hear Peter's version of events, so we don't know what Peter said in the face of the rebuke. Peter might have genuinely said, I'm trying to be a leader. I'm thinking about how people are going to look at me and want to emulate and so on. And so I thought it wiser to take this course of action. To which Paul might have said, if they're going to emulate you, don't you want to show them how to live in freedom? Don't you want to show them that we have been set free from certain aspects of the law? So when we live as leaders in the body of Christ, and lots of us do, it is worthwhile to think about that when we think about how we walk our faith out among others. Let's talk about the rebuke. It's a public rebuke. Why? Why is it a public rebuke? Some people speculate that Paul had already tried the private route. I mean, we know from Matthew 18 uh, that we're supposed to go to the person first, right? We're supposed to go one-on-one, -on -one, Jesus teaches in Matthew 18. And then if they don't hear us, then we're supposed to take a friend or two uh, for another set of years. And then if that doesn't win our brother or our sister back, then we're supposed to take it in front of the entire congregation. 
So some speculate that Paul had already tried the private route. There is no biblical evidence, there is no historical evidence to suggest that Paul had gone to Peter privately. And I don't think he has to. I don't think he was required to follow Matthew 18 here. Why? Because the offense was public. And if the offense is public and it leads people astray, the rebuke can be public. Now, I'm going to tread really cautiously here and say the goal is always to win a brother and not an argument. So there may be wisdom, even if the offense is public, there may be wisdom in going to that person privately and saying, that thing that you did that everybody saw, that thing that you did that people are going to emulate, that thing that you did over here in public, that was a poor choice and I think because. There may be wisdom there. Um, I don't think that God is 100% behind reality TV style drama. The confrontation after the break, right? Like the, I don't think that God is, is into that level of drama. The goal is to win back a brother and not to win an argument. Um, I can well imagine showing up at the judgment seat of Christ at the end of my life and having... Having Jesus say, you know, that argument that you won back in the day, that was really nice, but you kind of lost your brother over it. Was it worth it to you? That said, when weaker souls are at stake, it is up to us to stand for truth, no matter how big the celebrity is of the person who is wrong. When weaker souls are at stake, Truth matters. And so when we see things, when we see people doing things that are objectively false, saying things that are objectively false, it does not matter how big the celebrity of that person is. It is worth speaking out and saying, nope, that's wrong, that's false, forget it, knock it off. We can ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on whether to do that privately or publicly. But in this case, Paul decided public was the way to go. He rebuked Peter in front of the others. Kind of want to see the video of that when I get to glory. Kind of want to see what that looked like. But maybe, maybe I should repent of that. Let's land on this. At the core, here is the reality. Paul and Peter both agreed in principle that the Gentiles come to Jesus by faith. Peter took longer to see the practical implications of that reality. Paul saw it right away. Hey, you don't have to worry about who you eat with. Peter took a little longer to see the practical implications of that reality. And I'd like to think that there's grace for those of us who take a little longer to see the practical realities of the theories they embrace. For example, take the man who's trying to understand, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. 
if it takes a little while to understand all of the practical realities of that command, there's grace for that as long as we respond to what God nudges us to do along that path. There are big truths that we take in as part of our Christianity, as part of our walk of faith. And if it takes a little while to understand them, so be it, as long as we are moving along the path, uh, to quote my friend Zach Hensley, as long as our reach is toward God, if we're reaching toward God, there's grace as we embrace big truth. And that would be the place I'd encourage us to land on this. There's grace for us as we grapple with truth. Sometimes it just takes some of us a little bit longer. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.